You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And as I said on the YouTube tease intro today, we are talking about more about Brad Wanamaker, who had his first full practice uh, doing on-court stuff on Thursday. We got to speak with him and Rick Carlisle about him joining the team, what he can bring to the Pacers if he if he makes the roster, which is pretty likely, uh, as the third point guard. Uh, and then the Cavs. They play the Cavs tonight. We can get some more preseason action, talk about what to watch for in that game both. Uh, from something something specific to the Cavs, and then just continued development of the Pacers as a preseason squad as they continue to roll through camp. They're almost uh, two weeks in now, so lots lots to talk about. I'm glad we have actual games to break down. We've seen them play the Knicks. We've seen them already make a trade and add a player. There's just a lot to get to for the Pacers this week. Let's get the, the finishing touches on the Wanamaker signing. We covered the trade on the last two pods. Uh, we covered Wanamaker specifically yesterday, what he can kind of bring, but he had his first on-court practice with the Pacers on Thursday. Uh, we could see him getting up threes with assistant coach Mike Weinar on the opposite basket from us for a long time after uh, media was allowed in, which was cool to see. Uh, he did talk about how you know he he's, he can shoot and, and that'll help this team. And Carlisle branded him as a shooter as well. But you know he got here Wednesday and you know he he had a lot of film. He got in and the assistant coaches said, "Okay, here's all the stuff we do." They walked through the film. Carlisle came in. Talk to him about what he envisions Wanamaker doing as a member of this team. So the first day was a lot of information overload, but Carlisle said today was his first day scrimmaging, running with the team, playing. And Carlisle said it's as if he's been here the whole time, even though he's late to camp by you know ten days and hasn't seen them uh, get up to speed on the offensive sets and the defensive stuff. And you know they obviously didn't run everything; they still have to learn their own playbook. But it, it's encouraging that he fit in pretty well so early, even if it's all simpler at this point in time. He's a vet. Wanamaker played overseas for a long time and. You know, played with the the Warriors, Celtics, and Hornets. So, you know, I'm sure he'll catch on quickly with many systems. But it was still uh, good to hear from Carlisle that he's catching on quickly and he can help this team. And that's what veteran point guards do. You know, Carlisle stated about talked about the value of just having veteran point guards, uh, which I think is important to him. If you go through the Mavs in general, just looking at the guys they have handling the ball, Sans Luca in the Carlisle eras of coaching those teams, a lot of veteran point guards, especially off the bench. Um, Carlisle specifically talking about stuff that he likes about Wanamaker and how he can fit into what the Pacers are trying to do. He talked about his physicality, which is kind of just a coacherism to me. Uh, you know, the, every player they like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, he's physical. But he also talked about that he can shoot it. And from us watching, Wanamaker was a good shooter. His percentages with the Boston Celtics, his first two seasons in the league were really good. Last year, not so much. Remember, um, I talk about this a lot when I talk about evaluating college basketball prospects. But guys who are really good at free throws, that tends to translate to three-pointers. And Wanamaker has been excellent from the free throw line in his career. He led the league in three-point percentage in 2018-19 with Boston. So I would expect him to be a better three-point shooter than he was last season. So I agree with Carlisle's assessment that he can be a good shooter. For this team, he also mentioned his cutting and defense is things that can help the Pacers out. The cutting was an interesting one to hear about, but you know, if you kind of go back and look at what Wanamaker has done position-wise throughout his career, right? He, he's been a point guard. You could call him that. He was kind of a backup one for the Warriors and Hornets last year, but he also played off-ball guard quite a bit next to Curry, next to LaMelo, next to whoever, Rozier. Like, they can both be combo guards for Charlotte, and in Boston, he was often kind of an off-and-on-ball guard as well, so the cutting could be interesting. 
uh, and valuable if, if his shot's not falling and they need to plug him in as a two for some reason, injuries, trades, whatever, where he needs to play next to McConnell for some reason as a second unit two guard or something. They can do that and feel a little confident. He's shorter, so playing the two is not ideal. But if he truly is a physical good defender who can cut, you can buy five minutes with him at the two and not, and not feel too bad about it. Um, and Carlisle also mentioned at the end, you know, they're trying to work him in now without overloading him. And you can imagine that's pretty hard. He's 10 days. And that, that, that's not, maybe not exactly the right number of days of practices, but he's 10 days of time behind the other guys in terms of learning the scheme, getting comfortable with those teammates, getting comfortable with being a part of the Pacers under Carlisle and this new coaching staff. So he's got to catch up. Uh, you know, he has to get familiar, but if, if it's too much info in one day, that can be too much. You can forget something. You can confuse things. That's not what they want to do. So they're trying to ease him in at the appropriate speed so that he can, you know, know what he's doing, but not, not be in too much. And, and we'll see what's going to happen. I, uh, Wanamaker himself tipped that he, he, he should be able to play, uh, against the Cavs. We'll talk about that later on the show, but, um, you know, we'll see how much, uh, he knows and is able to do and how much overload air quotes, if any. Uh, is truly true for him. And then he spoke himself. We got to talk to Wanamaker on his first day of practice, which, speaking of overload, I feel bad that he had to deal with us on his first day. But, of course, we want to talk to him. Uh, he mentioned that he came here trying. You know, an opportunity to make the team was very appealing to him uh, in terms of his summer of, of of getting on a roster. And so that, that was appealing to him about Indiana, that he could come here compete to try to make the team. He thinks, you know, after, like I said, he sat in Wednesday uh, for a lot of film and, and learning how this team plays and how he can fit in with what what this team does and how Carlisle wants the offense to go. He said he thinks he can fit in well with that stuff. Uh, I don't know how similar a lot of the stuff he was or a lot of the teams he was on in the past were, but you know the, the Warriors last year went a little bit away from being a spread just because a lot of the injuries they had and uh, Boston had some inside out game when he was there with Horford and Charlotte certainly had some inside out actions last year they had some centers who were involved in a lot of screen stuff but charlotte was a little bit spread so he's used to some spread stuff also uh has played in in some situations where bigs are you know cutting through the lane and starting you know the dunker spot and things like that so i think that he can fit in in the spread system but it's, it's something kind of new for him in the nba at least but you know a guard who can as carlisle described shooting cut can kind of fit in any scheme i don't think it's necessarily a worry and I agree that he will fit well. I was just curious how he thought about seeing it. I talked about this on two podcasts in a row. I promise this is the last time I'll beat it to death. But he did talk about being hyped to be back with Coach Ronald Norad, who was an assistant with him in Charlotte. He said they hugged when they when they showed up together and they had a good relationship in Charlotte. They will continue to do so here. And unprompted, he did say that their relationship has grown since that Pitt-Butler game I talked about yesterday. They played against each other. In the NCAA tournament in 2011, an absolutely wild Butler basketball win. Norad played for Butler then. Wanamaker played on Pitt now. Wanamaker even said, I didn't like him then, <laughs> which was pretty funny. The entire media crew all laughed at the same time, which is pretty rare. The other thing that he talked a lot about uh, was that you know he didn't make it to the NBA until he was like 28 or 29 because he didn't get drafted out of Pitt, and he went overseas to play as a pro for a while. And you know if you go overseas... You, you can kind of come back in your first year or two and, and you kind of have a chance to to get back in the league or there are some rounds for you to work up. But if you're overseas for a while, it's pretty hard to make that jump back, especially at his age. You know, there's a lot, there's like one guy per year at the at the older ages who does it. Pangos on the Cavs, ironically, who we'll be talking about later, uh, is one of the guys who who pulled it off this year. Um, but it's it's pretty rare. Wanamaker did it. Uh, you know, Keelan went overseas and he came back, but he came back pretty quickly, which is it's still challenging, but it's a little easier. But there's like one older player for a year who comes back 
and is able to pull it off. And it was Wanamaker, and he talked about how that's a little difficult and how it gives him a little bit more drive to just, you know, he, he said underdog mentality to a question from uh, Pacers announcer Chris Denary about just how he has to constantly be trying to work to stay in the league uh, and be a part of the NBA. So that should suit him well uh, as he tries to fight to make this Pacers team. And he certainly, again, they tra- they traded a pick to get a roster spot and cap money open so they could get him, right? So they clearly have some appeal to him. He definitely has the best chance of all the non-guaranteed contract guys to make the roster. But if he can continue to work that mentality in and he fits in as well in the scheme as he and Carl have both predicted now, it was his first day of practice. It's kind of like his media day. You kind of expect those mannerisms. So you have to see it before you can truly analyze what a player is going to do for your basketball team. I don't know what we're going to see from Brad Wanamaker on Friday in his first game for the Pacers. But if he truly does fit as well as he and Carlisle think he will, I think he's got a good shot to continue to work on that underdog mentality and make the team. And if Carlisle has this affinity for veteran third point guards, they'll need one all season. So uh, unless they can get a different one in a trade or somebody wows them in Fort Wayne. He's got a good chance to be on this team for a while. So uh, it's a good fit for him, given what he wanted. And it's actually a pretty good fit for what the Pacers needed as a third point guard. You know, Kiefer Sykes having such a good chance to make the team, by the way, another older guy from overseas. Uh, that competition would, would was fine. But Sykes, you know, doesn't look like he's quite the NBA player that Wanamaker is who has played in the league for the last three seasons. And speaking of the Sumner trade buttoning something up, I heard this. Uh, this morning, Bobby Marks tweeted it, which if we heard the same thing, is probably true. Uh, I'm assuming Marks knows officially because it's a trade with the Nets. But the protections on the pick the Pacers sent to the Nets is if it's 31 through 37, if the Heat stink in 2024-25, the Pacers will keep that second. So if it's in the top seven picks in the second round, the Pacers will keep it. If it's 38 through 50, it will go to Brooklyn. And that was kind of why this was a ladder trade because the Rockets wanted to get an unprotected pick that they could guarantee they add an asset to their team. That's how they took on Dumboya. Then the Nets can scale down in salaries and they take a protected pick from the Pacers and the Heat, you know, their stars are all great. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler are great. Bam's really great. PJ Tucker's very good. There's a chance. It's not unreasonable to me that when those guys all age out outside of Bam, who's very young, the Heat aren't as good that year. Uh, I don't think they'll be bottom six, seven teams in the league bad because they'll have Bam and and Hero and whatever they grow into be. But it's not impossible that they fall off quite a bit around that time. So we'll see where that shakes out. But if it's a late second, you know, that's the advantage of protecting a pick. It doesn't hurt as much to lose. So let's pivot off of Wanamaker. That's all the info about the trade and the signing. Now that we've actually heard from them, we've beaten it to death, which is good. I like to supply all the information about something as possible, but Three days in a row can be a lot of oversaturation of information. Let's talk about the game tonight. Love that there's games again. We can see how the Pacers are going to work off of their last game that they played against the Knicks and how they can play a different style of team in the Cavs that play a little differently than the Knicks and are not going to hammer their starters into the ground for as long. So let's take a short little break and talk about Pacers-Cavs. But first, let me talk about the great folks over at Sleeper because in 2018, The fantasy sports guys over at Sleeper were like, fantasy basketball is broken, especially on ESPN where games are being won and lost, where that's where I played. Based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, it was stupid. It was really annoying that, you know, if you you had a couple guys who played four or five even games in a week, uh, they were more valuable than superstars who only had three games in a week. That doesn't make sense for fantasy basketball. Sleeper said, screw that. Let's make it better. They released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week, for each starter to count towards their team's score, ensuring an even number of games played 
between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent simply had more scheduled games to play that week are over. Mindless busy work, no more. Giving up halfway through the season because of all that busy work, it's all done. With game picks, you just pick one game per week for each player based on their matchups, if it's home and away, how good the opponent's defense is, pace of play, all that stuff. Figure it out one time, and you're done. They cracked the fantasy basketball code. Sleepers also got fantasy football. It's great. Check it out. It's a great way to play fantasy sports if you prefer building out a weekly strategy. Go check them out today with Sleepers' one-of-a-kind game pick, the most strategic way, the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. And let's also talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever. They've got a new site interface. Football is back. Everything you want is over there at betonline.ag, the number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With the new updated site, they've got more odds, more props, more contests. It's the number one source for everything football. Head over to that website, betonline.ag today, or use your mobile device. You can sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you sign up with the promo code Locked On. All one word. Do not forget that promo code Locked On. Football, basketball, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they've got over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today. I hope that I am supplying you with all the information you need about this team and the games they have coming up. Tonight, they play the Cavs in Cleveland, their final road game of the preseason before they come back home for their first games ever in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Not the actual Fieldhouse itself, but just the renamed Gamebridge Fieldhouse. They kick off their final road game in Cleveland tonight against the Cavaliers, who they did very well against in the regular season last year. The Cavs tweaked their roster, got some high picks. They're a different team now. They have the same coach. They'll probably play similarly, and I'm very interested in watching Pacers-Cavs because they're a very different team than the Knicks. The Cavs aren't as bad of a defensive team as I always lead on, but just a young team with young guards will never really be a good defensive team, even if they have guys like Okoro and Mobley and even Jared Allen, uh, Ricky Rubio, who can be good defenders in the right situation. Just the totality of your team will be weaker on defense versus the Knicks, who the Pacers played Tuesday, who are very good on defense and have very good defensive principles. Although I will say the Cavs' defense has looked a little better in the preseason. They just played the Hawks a few days ago, only conceded 96 points in a win, though Trey Young uh, did not play in that game. But you know the, their defense is, has looked better in the preseason. Their offense has not looked good. They have not scored 100 points in either of their games so far in the preseason. So that, that is something to monitor the season. That's what I want to talk about first for Pacers Cavs is that the, the Cavs offense hasn't looked quite so good. Like I just said, sub 100 points in both games. And Rick Carlisle talked about after the Knicks game that the biggest holdup he had with his team was their defense was not very good. So, how can the Pacers improve on that end of the floor is a big thing to watch against this Cavs team. And they are a different roster makeup than the Knicks, but Carlisle called out the defense specifically. He said it's the thing they're probably going to have to watch the most. And the Knicks didn't even shoot that well, but they did very well getting a lot of shots up in a fast-paced game. And they had some nice second, easy second-chance opportunities. They shot well from three in the first half. Stuff the Pacers need to clean up. And, and the Cavs are an interesting team to do that against because Garland is looking good in the preseason, right? Shot over 50% with seven assists against the Hawks. Uh, shot over 40% with three assists against the Bulls, right? He's had a nice preseason. He's looking like one of the guys that I think is going to have a breakout year. Colin Sexton can obviously score a lot at any time. He had 14 points in their first game, 19 in the second. So unlike the Knicks, and Kemba's very good, but 
those two together is a little bit different uh, of a pairing, a lot faster in terms of drives and creation than the Knicks guards, who again are good at creating, but not in the same way. And then in their front court, you know, they kind of have more ground bound interior guys in Jared Allen and Isaac Okoro. And then Evan Mobley's pretty athletic, uh, but he's not really a perimeter guy. So I'll be interested to see how those dynamics change, how the Pacers can play defense, and if they can play better against that group. I think purely from a matchup standpoint, both because this team has less talent than the Knicks, but also just positionally and skill-wise, the Pacers match up with the Cavs a little bit better, right? They can they can get Justin Holiday on a variety of guys and not not have him struggle as much. Whereas when he switched on to Randall, he was kind of overpowered, and uh, Jeremy Lamb could be a little less embarrassing. Like if you put him on an Isaac Okoro, I don't know that they're going to do that, but that's just an option. So I think that there's ways the Pacers can match up better with the starting five against the Cavs, and then their bench has a lot of guys who are talented but kind of you know, lack some skills or another, or, or they're Kevin Love, who you never know who you're, what you're going to get from him. So the from the Cavs offense, it's kind of, you don't know what to expect. It could be really good. Sexton, when he's on, is awesome. Garland, I like quite a bit. Jared Allen's a good role man. So it could be quite the test for the Pacers stylistically. They'll play differently than the Knicks for sure, but, but also just a worse team. So if the Pacers truly took the message of what Carlisle was beating into them defensively after their Knicks game. I don't know. We didn't really get to ask him what they specifically tried to fix, and he hasn't been a coach that tends to talk about specific strategy. But things that they'll improve on, I'll be curious to see what those end up being in this game against Cleveland. Excuse me. That will be the first thing to watch is how they get better on defense because that's a big thing for them all season long. They were not as good on defense last year. They were 14th. Can they get back up into the top 10 where they were? under McMillan when they were making the playoffs as a top five seed every year with a very similar roster to the one they have right now. Another thing to watch in this game is the evolution of the rotation. I don't want to talk about the rotation anymore. We kind of have an idea of how Carlisle ranks his players based on the first preseason game, so I don't want to beat in that we're watching for who plays with who and, and what the ranking of the players is, but how it evolves. First of all, how much more do the starters play, uh, both together and in general, as he ramps up activity? For his full team, let's just take the Cavs as an example. They've already played two preseason games. In the first one, most of their starters played 23, 22 minutes. In the second one, they had Evan Mobley over 30 minutes. Jared Allen and Isaac Okoro were both in the high 20s. Sexton was over 30 minutes. Garland played over 35 minutes, right? So they really ramped up their starters' minutes from game one to two. They shrunk their rotation from 14, 15 guys down to just 10, right? So the Cavs got a lot more serious about what they're doing and how it relates to the regular season in their second preseason game. It'll be curious to see how much the Pacers do that. And the reason that matters is when they do get kind of serious and only play 10 or 11 guys in a game, we'll kind of know that that's how Rick plans on ranking his guys right now in terms of, you know, top to bottom kind of stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out when he does kind of cut the number of guys in the rotation. Sorry, YouTube watchers that my light went off and I turn it off again. I promise a new light will come eventually that doesn't shut off. While I'm talking, so that's something else I want to watch is the evolution of both the minutes of the starters and the rankings of them. If he does the same order of subs, right? McConnell first, Duarte first. You know, we know those guys are going to play. But, you know, Torrey Craig, Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea, what order those guys check in, what groups they're with is important. Does anyone else get into that echelon of guys? Can Goga get into that echelon of guys? If not, you have to have a serious talk about his upcoming season and his value on the external market. It's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. And then if the and the other thing to watch with those 10 guys specifically is what does change, right? Does Duarte get more minutes with the starters? Does Isaiah Jackson, does his role change a little bit? Does O'Shea Brissett's role change a little bit? And I bring up those guys specifically because we heard at practice 
on Thursday that Carlisle's trying to get Isaiah Jackson a little bit more burn at the four. And he played the four at Kentucky a little bit, but he's definitely more naturally a five. Kevin Pritchard, though, has been preaching since the draft. We think he can play four. We think he can play four. Rick Carlisle's talked about that he can guard many positions. Some Pacers have called out that he can guard one through five. That's all great. So that means he probably can play the four defensively. If he can't shoot, he can do it offensively. Fours don't have to shoot to fit offensively, but it is a little harder if your five can't shoot. So if he does play four, I'll be curious, one, who the five is in those minutes. Maybe that just means the Pacers stick him next to Miles or Domas, but maybe that's their way of trying to get Goga into the main rotation or at least the guys who play in the meaningful portion of a preseason game is, you know, they bring in O'Shea a little later, but they just give Isaiah Byrne with a center. And O'Shea, you know, there's a chance he's better than Isaiah this year. He has NBA experience and was good for the Pacers last year. So we'll see how that decision of Carlisle currently, at least it looks like, having Jackson over O'Shea in the rotation shakes out. But I bring up that specifically because we learned Isaiah played the four more at practice uh, on Thursday. But other rotation changes are possible. The Duarte one's the big one. What other guys does McConnell play with? How can they get more creation with the second unit? You know, just, just the general stuff to think about. So we'll see. How this game goes, what happens uh, on that front in the rotation updates throughout the preseason are always something to watch. We'll break all that changes down, if there's anything dramatic at least, on Monday. Let's take one more break and get to two other things I want to, to look out for in this game specifically. I love that we can talk about actual games, and we will, again, break this down uh, on Monday. But first, let's take one more break. We'll come right back, continue to talk about Pacers-Cavs. I got to talk to you guys about the great folks over at Built Bar. I've been doing it for months and months and months and months. And it's for good reason. Everyone who's listened to this podcast who's tried Built Bar absolutely loves them, including me, even though I listen. I'm also the host. But anyway, I don't count, but I love them. They are delicious. What is Built Bar? It's the best tasting protein bars out there. A lot of protein bars, as Nate Duncan says, taste like the inside of a sawmill. That is not the case with Built Bar. They are 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, delicious protein bars. I highly recommend you try them. There's a flavor for everybody. They have a very popular mixed box that comes with a lot of their most popular flavors. The double chocolate's really good in there. Cookies and cream is really good in there. But they also have a bunch of other flavors you can get boxes for and try them as well. And not only are they delicious, they're super healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories. You got to try them. They're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That should tell you all you need to know. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED1515. And you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's wrap up talking about Pacers Cavs. And once again, thank you for making us your first listen of a podcast today. The Cavs, you know, we saw the Pacers destroy them last year. And I can talk a little bit about, you know, their D's been better. But what can we see from the Pacers against a worse defensive team? But first... I stopped talking about the transaction, but this is something to watch in the game. Is Brad Wanamaker's debut? How does he fit in with this Pacers team? What can he provide them? What does he does he play in any meaningful portion of the competition? Right, like we saw everybody play for the Pacers in their first preseason game, right? But everyone who played after O'Shea came in, so you know Keelan Martin, Kiefer Sykes, all the two way guys, uh, Goga, even uh, all those guys came in, and they they might make the roster, but they didn't play in the part of the game that makes you think they're going to be in the rotation or they're going to have an impact on a night-to-night basis for the Pacers. So does can any of those guys get into the rotation is certainly something to watch. But in terms of Brad Wanamaker, who they just added, can he be above the crew that is in that gets him into the rotation for the season? I really doubt it. I think he's just your emergency point guard who 
you know, is really helpful if there's injuries, is really helpful to have around in practice, providing advice for younger players. So I doubt he's in the rotation, but, you know, how much does he play in this game? Who does he play with? Those are the things to watch. First of all, is where does he rank in the pecking order right now? Because we've been guessing, and by guessing, I mean educated guessing between what we know and the fact that they made a trade to clear a roster spot, that he's got a very good chance to make the team, but if he's the first guy, like after O'Shea, right? If he's the first guy who's out of the rotation but still comes in because it's a preseason game, great. That that probably means he's got a really good chance to make the team. That means they rate him very highly, and they wanted to get him lots of minutes in this game. And if he's a little farther back, you know, if he comes in after Kiefer Sykes even, for example, then we'll learn a little more about how they feel about him. Speaking of Kiefer Sykes, by the way, he has a small ankle sprain, and he is questionable to play in this game, which could actually impact the way you view Wanamaker's minutes. If he's unavailable then obviously Wanamaker playing, he would be above Kiefer Sykes in the rotation, which makes it a little less fair. So we'll have to see if he's able to go and play before we can truly decide for that. But beyond where he ranks in Carlisle's graces right now, he's been on the team for two days. It might not matter at all. How does he play? Does he play well? Do the skills that Carlisle talked about manifest? Does he hit some shots? Does he cut well? If he's not off ball on a point where he's catching, shooting, or cutting, what kind of stuff can he set up for his teammates and the fact that he doesn't know the offense as well as his teammates probably means he'll just be dribbling up the floor, pass, cut away from the ball kind of stuff at this stage. So his defense is something to monitor as well, especially because Rubio, Sexton, Garland, again, one, they played big minutes in their last game. But that's also some quality guards to see how a guy can play defensively. That's worth monitoring. So we'll learn a lot about where Wanamaker fits in, what the Pacers want to do this season, and how good he is. Well, maybe now we won't learn a lot about either of those things, but we'll learn something about both of those things in Pacers-Cavs. And and whenever, whenever there's a new player who has a chance to make your NBA roster, you're always going to be curious about what they do in their debut. So Wanamaker is something to watch. And the last thing specific to this game that I'm looking out for is, look, I have been a little too critical of the Cavs' defense on recent podcasts. Even I'll admit that, but... The Bulls just hung 131 on them last week, right? Their defense still has some holes in it. They've got some young guys. So the Pacers played okay on offense, I think, against the Knicks. Once they went to their deeper bench, they weren't scoring as well, but they were well over 50 at halftime. They were on their way to a 110-115-esque performance from their rotation guys who'll be playing normally. The Cavs are definitely a worse defensive team than the Knicks. So how much better and crisper does the Pacers offense look after a film session? With Rick Carlisle, more practices, more time, and against a slightly to substantially worse defensive team. That's something else to monitor. If they, you know, it's preseason, everyone's ironing out their offense. Carlisle's new to this team, whereas Thibodeau and JB Bickerstaff, the coaches of the team the Pacers have played, are holdovers from last year. But, you know, if the if the Pacers offense struggles, you know, don't freak out because he's a new coach. But that is like a little bit of like, oh, uh oh, you know, why isn't this? working against the Cavs. Now it's one game. It's one preseason game. Nothing is sky is falling bad or we're winning the title good in these games, but it is something to watch. How can they do against a worse team on both ends, really? So that that's a big one to me. And I thought their offense, again, was pretty good against the Knicks in the competitive portion that actually mattered. A lot of the stuff that we heard would be the case was there, was true, right? They had guys dribbling and pushing in transition all the time. They were hitting it ahead a lot. They were definitely five out. Off-ball picks from the big, Sabonis making stuff happen at the elbow. All the stuff we expected to see, but now we know what it looks like. How does that work against a team that's more prone to mistakes on the defensive end? And you know, Justin Holiday was a big offensive improvement in the first preseason game, right? He was able to, to get to the rim a lot more than he has in past seasons with this team. If Okoro's on him, right, that might change that up a little bit. How do the Pacers adjust, right? 
can Brogdon be better against worse defensive guards? Although Kemba should have, you know, he should have been a little to get a little more free in that situation. But just in general, how does a different team with different defensive principles and in general a worse defense allow the Pacers to get into their game to play? How does that all shake out? And the Pacers will play the Cavs a ton this season, right? So even beyond how they do improvements on offense and defense-wise in this game, how do they look against a team they're going to play a lot? You know, you got to sweep the Cavs to, or you should sweep the Cavs if you're going to be the team that they want to be this year, where they avoid the plan and make the playoffs, right? You got to be sweeping the Cavs. They did it last year. They got to do it again this year, likely if they want to do that. You know, it's important to be good against teams like this that you think you're better than talent-wise, and the Cavs are going to be good. Pretty shortly, they've got some talented young players. So taking advantage while they're still young and growing is important, especially for a team you're going to be playing a lot. So seeing how they grow, what kind of adjustments they can make, how Wanamaker can be, how the rotation changes, and just how they've evolved since Tuesday. All the stuff to watch for in this game. It's going to be a blast. Next Monday, we'll be breaking down all the important stuff that happened in Pacers-Cavs. Uh, it should be fun. I'm glad we have actual games to talk about. And assuming there's no trade and signings over the weekend, we don't have to break down a bunch of stuff about the Pacers' new players. So next week will be a ton more about specific Pacers basketball topics. We'll break down uh, the two games from last week next week and look ahead at their coming week and then uh, break down all those games next week. It's exciting to be back in the swing of things. So thank you guys a ton for listening. One more plug. It's the first week of this, so i got to bring it up all the time. We are on YouTube now. It's really fun to see our faces it's cool that a lot of you guys are watching there already, and I've gotten some nice compliments about my thumbnails, which I take an embarrassing amount of time to get right. So uh, please check it out there if that's one of your favorite ways of listening to stuff or watching stuff. I think you might enjoy it. But if you're listening on your normal audio platforms, that's great too. We'll still be supporting those and doing everything we do on those. So thank you guys a ton for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, and we will see you on Monday. Monday.